book of Esther, chapter 4. We'd like to begin reading with verse 15. We're going to see that Esther is put into a position where she must trust the Lord. She is asked, requested by Mordecai to go before the king. And in those days and in those times, probably like much today, you have to have permission. And here we're going to see that. And we also are going to notice here that uh, there is a request for, for fasting and prayer. All right, let's look at this. All of the stuff that's gone on prior to this. In verse 15, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. He's made a request in the previous few verses about her going to the king. And whether she does or not, God will take care of the situation. God is faithful. And whether he uses Esther or doesn't, they will be taken care of. All right, in verse 16, go, Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews that are, in, that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days. Night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Go, it tells us, go gather all the Jews. And uh, this word fast means to cover the mouth. Now, it appears she is calling on the people, don't just complain about the situation. The situation is dire. Their lives have been threatened by this edict that Haman has got the king to sign. And it is a dire situation. But we have heard Mordecai say, God will not permit this to take place. God will override this. In some way, he's going to take care of the issue. So we're here. Just cover your mouth, except when it comes your appeal to God. Don't complain about the edict. Take it to the Lord. And we find that this so is, uh, fulfills what we read in the book of the Proverbs, chapter 3 and verse 6. If you travel with me there, keeping your finger there in the book of, of Esther. But in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6, we have this wonderful statement made by wise Solomon, as he's led by the Holy Spirit, it says, In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what does that mean? It means, Lord, Lord, you're in charge. Acknowledge him. He is chief over all. Be thou my vision. Be the one that's in front of me. Be the one that's in front. And then it says, And he will direct thy paths. Now, it's wonderful when we find out that we are in agreement. God brings us to agreement with his will. Now, he's going to do what he's going to do. But how blessed it is for the people of God to understand that what God is doing, God is doing for our betterment and for our, uh, the oversight of all things. So, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He will always have his will. What we want is not to be caught sideways in it. <laughs> We'd like to be facing forward with it. We'd like to be able to do it with thanksgiving. 
And that's what she's saying as she sends out this appeal. Fast, pray, bring the situation before the Lord, but don't complain about the situation. Lord will take care of it one way or the other, but do it with thanksgiving. And over in the book of Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite passages of scripture, uh, like so many in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, we find this wonderful statement about prayer. Right there in the middle of God's directing all things, he's in charge of all things, uh, he backs up all things, he created all things, he saves his people according to his eternal purpose. Here in the book of, of Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That's what she's saying. We have infirmities. We are in dire situation, but we have infirmities. And so often we're caught in the trap of complaining about the situation. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself. This is the Holy Spirit himself. I was talking to someone the other day, and I just mentioned, and there was complete agreement that most people greatly underestimate the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, all-powerful. Nothing is too, too hard for God. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above our prayers. So he goes on to tell us here, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now I think that that Esther is caught in there. I think Mordecai is caught there. I think the people, the Jews that live in Shushan the palace are caught there. I don't know how to pray in this search. My, my uh, initial thought about it is, I don't like it <laughs> to hear what's going on. But he goes on to tell us here, he, because he maketh intercession. Oh, uh, verse 26, let me finish that. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, that's not ecstatic speech. It's speech that we can't comprehend. The conversation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They have a covenant of grace. They're going to carry it out. It's sometimes a mystery to us how God would do all of that, but he has. And then he goes on to say in verse 28, uh, verse 27, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according now, the church, when we realize that, say, hallelujah. He maketh intercession. Romans chapter 8, verse 27. He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, when we stop and think about that, that's exactly what we want. <laughs> that's what we pray for. God, your will be done. And may I not be caught sideways with it, but caught with it. <laughs> Uh, it's a terrible thing to be caught in the surf sideways in a boat. <laughs> but it's so much easier to go through the surf straight ahead or come in straight forward. So, oh, Lord, help me not be caught sideways. And by that, I mean complaining about your eternal purpose and will in this matter. So here we have Esther, and she's encouraged Mordecai and all the Jews that are in Shushan the palace to come together and pray about this matter, to fast about this matter. Keep your mouth closed. That's what that word means. Now, we may interpret it not eating, but I many times find it just simply keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth closed. Fast about this. Let God do his work. So the, the infirmities, we are caught by infirmities. It's feebleness and frailty. 
but we are thankful for someone to intercede for us, to intercede on our behalf, someone other than us interceding for us on the behalf of God, so that it says there, according to his purpose, and also it says, for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I don't believe I've ever met a believer that doesn't want to do or know, know or do, the will of God. That's really the heart of the matter, to do the will of God. Well, our flesh is contrary to it, but thank God for his spirit directing our spirit so that we can meet that. All right. Because he maketh intercession for us according to the will of God. So we're going to find that God's will is going to be performed over there. And we're going to find out that this is going to be a lot more pleasant than anybody thought it was going to be. It was really trying. You know, there's an incident in the book of Acts chapter 12. It's such a, a tremendous statement of the Holy Spirit. And that's in Acts chapter 12. We find in Acts chapter 12 that James has been killed by Herod. James has been killed. Now, sometimes we read through things and our brother in the Lord has been killed by the sword by Herod, according to Herod's determinate purpose. Here in Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. He knows who he's after. Certain of the church. Some of this way. <laughs> they were called Christians first to Antioch. And at that time, it was not a compliment to be called a Christian. It was a word of derision. Nobody went around bragging that were lost, that were bragging they were Christians, because that was going to bring the outside upon them. So it was a name of derision given by outsiders to these people who appeared to be agreed with the gospel, agreed with Christ in this matter. It was not works, but it was grace. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quantarians of soldiers to keep him, intending by Passover, Easter is recorded here, to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Now, that's going to be an interesting play as God works this out as his purpose uh, was to do. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains. Now, Herod has been quite clear that he wants to have this guy brought before him very soon and probably executed too. It pleased the Jews that James was killed and he's going to do anything he can to please the Jews. It says here, bound with chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side, raised him up saying, arise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. So he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, 
but thought he saw a vision. He thought he was walking in his sleep, <laughs> dreaming. When he were past the first and second ward, they came to the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and passed through, the, uh, through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together. What are they doing? <laughs> They're praying for him. The church is praying for him. What does Esther ask to be done? The church pray about this matter. The church pray about this matter. Now, we know not how to pray as we ought, but we are so dependent upon the almighty power of the Holy Spirit to make intercession for us according to the will of God. That's what we find Esther is asking them to do. Pray for the purpose and will of God. Now, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. Oh, there's Peter knocked at the door uh, of the gate, verse 13. A damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is an angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now, sometimes we are just like this and are astonished at how God does his business. It is so good and so wonderful that we are like them and say, how can this be? It's an angel. It's something else. Well, they declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison and he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. Now, this is another James. This is James, the son of Alphaeus. We have, it's like Mike. We have several James. We have several Mikes. <laughs> now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for them and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down to Caesarea, Judea to Caesarea, and there abode. He commanded those keepers to be put to death. Now, it was a death sentence if they lost a prisoner. But we find out who released the prisoner, who opened the gates, who moved. We find that God Almighty did that and released Peter and had those who held him in tow executed. All right, so we're going to find out that God does these things. He's not quit doing these things. He's continuing to do these things. We're here tonight by the wonderful grace of God. We're here meeting together and worshiping the Lord by the grace of God, by his eternal purpose, by his everlasting covenant. And so as we think about Esther, it says Esther, and in Going back to Esther chapter 4 and verse 16, would you? Esther chapter 4 and verse 16. She says here, I'm going before the king. Esther chapter 4 verse 16. 
And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. You know, this reminds me of four lepers. (laughs) Jerusalem is all shut up because of the lack of food, and the enemy has been there for a long time. And they're eating stuff that they shouldn't have to have eaten, but they did. And then those four lepers said, if we go in, we die. If we stay here, we die. Why don't we just go over there where those guys are? And if they kill us, that's okay. Well, they got over there. The Lord had taken care of every one of them. They had thought there was an enemy coming, an army coming, and all it was was in their ears. And they left and left every bit of the food, all the wine, all the drinks, all the clothing, all the gold, all the silver there and they said to themselves you know this is really wrong if we just stay here and enjoy it ourselves we better go tell someone else about it well that's the mission that we have go tell somebody else where we found bread that's our mission all right we find in esther um, i think it's 13 times in esther alone this word perish is mentioned and sometimes it's translated destroyed sometimes it's perish or perished we find that it's a common word in this passage of Scripture, in this book of Esther, because the threat that is put out against the Jews, against the people of God. And so she confesses, if I perish, I perish. So in verse 17 of this book, uh, chapter uh, 4, it says, Mordecai went his way, did according to all that Esther had commanded. What was that? Folks, let's pray. Folks, Don't complain about it. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's pray God's will. We want God's will done in this matter. Now, Mordecai had already exercised a great deal of faith in recognizing the fact that these Jews were not going to be killed. It may not be under Esther, but somehow God is going to preserve these Jews. So he had been given that faith. It's the faith of God's elect, of Mike brought out to me, who's talking about this, I think, Sunday. It's the faithfulness of God, faithfulness of the Lord that does that for us. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded. Now, in the next chapter, we find that it came to pass in the third day. She had asked for that. I don't know how many times in Scripture this reference to the third day is mentioned. But we know of the most valuable and most important to the church, and that is the resurrection day of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here, three days of prayer and fasting have taken place. It's been requested by the king. Now, not only, excuse me, by the queen. Not only is she queen, but she is the wife of the king. And yet... She is in the same circumstance as anybody else that comes into his presence. It doesn't matter that she is the wife. It doesn't matter that she's the queen. He has the right, if he so sees fit, to have her executed for entering into his presence without permission. Well, it tells us now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel. Now, this is such an interesting picture that we have. You know, we find in the scriptures about a man that was at a wedding feast, and he was identified as not having on a wedding garment. Now, who provided her with this 
garment that she's wearing. It says she put on the royal, her royal apparel. Who provided the garment? The king. It's not of her making. It's not of what she did that she has. It has been a gift to her. Well, my friends, our robe is a gift to us without our working. That robe of righteousness that has been imputed to us. What a glorious robe that we have. This robe of righteousness, it's a wedding garment, yes. It's a robe of righteousness, yes. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ, yes. It's not a literal robe. It is acceptance with God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ that he, our righteousness, is his work and ministry is imputed to us. So we find Esther's preparation for going into the king, her husband. What a statement here. She dressed herself in royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in a royal house over against the gate of the house. Now, we back up just a little bit in the previous chapter, and we find out that this man has been influenced by Haman to do something really, really stupid in his kingdom, and that is execute all the Jews. We found out that when Nebuchadnezzar brought those Jews out of, of Judah and out of Jerusalem, these were the higher class. These were the, the doctors, the lawyers, the mathematicians, all of those people, and it's really a dumb thing to get rid of those people in your kingdom. But Haman persuaded him without even thinking about Ahasuerus signed the order, and it goes on. So she's in her royal apparel at the royal throne, and she is coming into the presence of the king. You know, do you know the scriptures tell us that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ? We all. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, the preacher used to use this scare me to death. This is not scary. This is wonderful. Now, she said, if I perish, I perish. But God had other things in mind. And we're going to find out in the very next verse, he drops that scepter. She comes and touches the end of it. Hallelujah. All right. Over in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, in our translation, we have in verse 10. I'm going to go back up in just a moment, but I want you to read verse 10. The judgment seat of Christ. Now, we have all kinds of things made out of that. One of the neat things that I got to see, Nancy and I got to see, was the ruins of Corinth... And in the ruins of Corinth was a pile of rock that once had been a place where a man in authority judged over his people. And right in front of it was the Greek word B-E-M-A. Now it's different script in Greek, but bima, that's what this word is. It's not a great white throne judgment. It is God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and every one of his people will appear before him and say, what you want to hear? Blessed art thou 
welcome to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world? Everybody's going to stand before the Lord, but the people on the right hand. So let's read this just a moment in 1 Corinthians 4. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. And we say hallelujah. <laughs> That's the end. We got that. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. All right. God has given us peace in this matter. The new birth has given us peace in this matter. It goes on, and so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Hallelujah, we got a covering. She had a covering. She was accepted in the presence of the king because she had a covering. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan. What does that mean? In the flesh. Do groan, be in burden. Not for the, that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God. What is that? God has worked the work. Who also hath given us unto us the earnest of the spirit therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk not by faith but by sight here we walk by faith not by sight we are confident i say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the lord wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, the place of authority, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, what has he done in our body? He has given us the Spirit of God in the new birth. He's not waiting for us to decide at that point, have we done enough good to outweigh our bad? There's no way we can have that. But we do have that the Lord himself has made us accepted in the beloved. We are to receive there the things done in the body, whether by the things of regeneration brought on the Lord's people in bringing them into the justified state before God. Everybody that's on the right-hand side appears before him in a justified state. We have a robe of righteousness. We're not there trying to figure out whether we're, we're going to make it or not. We're there saying, hallelujah, we made it. We're in the presence of our king. And he's the one who says, welcome. You know what? He's going to let us touch that scepter. <laughs> his authority. He's going to let us touch his authority. By his authority, we've been raised from the spiritual dead. By his authority, he's given us the new birth. By his authority, we've walked in newness of life. And so he goes on to say, wrought in the Lord's people in bringing them into the, a justified state before God or those found in guilt in Adam's nature. But this is not the time when it's going to be decided. This is the time when it is. Yes, no, welcome, depart. It's not going to have any changes there. 
There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, for they are passed from death into life and are freely justified in the grace which is in Christ Jesus. So over in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, we have a wonderful verse of scripture, that whole chapter, well, the whole book, in fact, but this chapter 53 of the book of Isaiah, verse 11, look at this with me. This is the whole crux of the matter. He shall see the travail of his soul. God the Father shall see the travail of his son's soul and shall be satisfied. The Godhead shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now he got a coat he did not deserve, but he gives us a coat we didn't deserve. Robe of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And also over in the book of Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Excuse me, 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Acts 13, and then verse 39. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. By him all that believe are justified from all things. Now we didn't get that by the works of the law. We got that by grace. Free and sovereign grace. He that believeth shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So, Esther in her suit, her royal apparel, steps into the presence of the king and notice, going back to the book of Esther again, if you would with me, the book of Esther chapter 5, we find these words that she's been hoping for, praying for, came to fruition. She is his wife. She is the queen, and she is dressed to the nines in royal apparel. Esther chapter 5, verse 2, And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor. What a blessing to have obtained favor. It wasn't by what she did. It's the move that God put on the king. The king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. She obtained favor what else can we say but thank you, God. Thank you. Oh, to have the favor of God. 
the favor of God was demonstrated by having a lamb before the foundation of the world, having names written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world, having it all worked out, doing all that he purposed before he ever created Adam and ever created Eve and ever there was a fall, he had everything prepared ahead of time. He had his son. He had their names. He had the purpose of the son. The, the lamb was going to give his life a ransom. So as we go through here, we find the king held out his, to Esther the golden scepter, official recognition and acceptance. And I like that verse over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. And the only way he can do that is by the new birth. And the only way he can provide that is to have put all our sins away. All sins will be put away. So we're going to find out here in the book of Esther chapter 5. As we go just a little bit further there, Esther chapter 5 and verse 3. And then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What is thy request? It shall be given thee to half of the kingdom. What a statement King Ahasuerus makes to his wife, to the queen, to a Jewess, to a child of God. How that rings out with regard to the church's stand in Christ. What wilt thou? What is your request? It shall be given thee to half the kingdom. And we find out over there in the book of Acts, or excuse me, the book of Romans, as we read earlier, it's the Holy Spirit that makes us, that intercedes for us the will of God. How glorious that is for the church to have the Holy Spirit with all power and all authority purpose us in the will of God. What a glorious position the church is in to have that robe of righteousness and to have all the care, all the care, and all the care that the triune God will give. We're going to stop there tonight, and Lord willing, we'll pick this up next time as we go into the book of Esther chapter 5, and we find out what Esther's request is.